I'm the angry slash rapper that you never thought would happen. Commentary get it cracking like pads when they start whacking. Applaud like studio audience audio. It's the Rob You Sports Do Show. Is that so? I'm a dang king like a Dama King Sue. And on some darn shit like Luca Don shit too. Commentator, not a hater, smooth operator. Mr. Telephone Man, like a beach from the pager. Date night data, don't forget to tip your waiter. And here's a few tips from the Rob You script. Write like pen with ink, at least I think potentially, probably projected mentally yo yo and welcome back to the rob you sports stew show nfl 2023 off season preview fourth of july summer special i know for all the nfl football fans you know you missed the nfl you know how grimy it is you know what commissioner godell is really all about you know how he let the stars slide with whatever they can get away with but you miss the league, you miss the action, you miss the, the games on Sundays and Mondays and, you know, now they got on every day of the week, but, you know, you miss the NFL action. So I had to bring exclusive podcast, Rob You, 4th of July NFL special, 2023 season preview. And, you know, I may go team by team and give a little analysis and analytics <laughs> I don't really crunch the numbers. I do the eyeball test. You know, I, I, I played the game, so I know what I'm looking at. And speaking of know what I'm looking at, I recently discovered and came came across a, a state championship game I played in as a senior in high school, a 17-year-old with my teammates and comrades of the Walterboro Bulldogs 1997 state championship team, which I was a... Uh, linebacker and mostly edge defensive end playing the right end so I was going against the left tackles the mostly some of the best blockers or the best blocker on the you know O-line depending on his size but it was a game where I didn't feel like I had my best performance it was you had to deal with the weather you had to deal with the environment it was about 20-something degrees out there. I was cold. I should have had on a few long johns and a few hoodies. Instead, <laughs> I think I just had on the the tights and, uh, you know, the uh, the leotard with the, the uh, shiny looking like, you know, like biker shorts used to look <laughs> with my, you know, with my socks, uh, my socks over my cleats bent down and, long sleeve shirt with my you know my my staple my <laughs> which was my go-to you know flashy look for high school uh football I had the wristbands on each arm you know that was my little thing the wristbands and um my brother's old Newman football gloves if you play football you know about the Newman gloves these was like you know nice football gloves they weren't padded these were the kind that used to you know help keep your hands warm or help you get a good catch. But that night in Columbia, South Carolina, ladies and gentlemen, it was, like I said, it was 20-something degrees with the wind chill. And, uh, you know, we, we from the South, we're not used to playing in those kind of conditions. But we had some players who was from, you know, New York, like Sean. He was more used to playing that kind of weather. Sean Wilson, one of my former teammates, and also um, – you know, you see if you watch the clip, I'll leave a link in the bottom of the description. You see if you watch the game. You know, our head coach, Leroy Riley, he stayed in short sleeves the whole time. So he was like, <laughs> I guess, trying to let us know, like, look, don't let the weather get to you. 
But uh, I, I ran across an old teammate, uh, Smurf Fauna, if you know. Back in the day, you know, he was a uh, freshman on the team playing fullback, and he was doing his thing. So, you know, he's in there. We got a star quarterback, Damian Cunningham, who went on to play college ball, star tailback, Antoine Neesmith, who went on to play uh, ball also at uh, Carolina Gamecocks. He was a safety. And, um, you know, uh, star young star receiver, number 14, Delshawn Wilkie. You know, he went on to play uh, college ball as well. On that line, we had Lonnie Nettles. He was he was nice. We had Joey Tucker. He was nice. We had Arthur Cal Mays. Big attitude and hard to get by. <laughs> you know, we had Nick Bowman doing his thing. Line, you know, it was just man defense. Man, if you know the if you knew the Walterboro High School football running 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 game was definitely going to be pinpointed and highlighted, and who was going to be the star tailback. And how is the defense going to be, you know, how tough is the defense going to be? And that was more or less our game plan. Each game, we weren't really a passing team. It was more about eating up clock, running the ball well, playing strong defense. And on the defense, it was, you know, they used to call this dude no manners because he had no manners. <laughs> I mean, shit, how else can I explain it? Anthony Wright and, uh, you know, it was it was Johnny it was Johnny. Y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> it was Johnny Green doing his thing at defensive tackle and defensive end. It was Derek Bright Light, D. Bright, doing his thing on the other end across from me. It was me doing what I could coming back late in the season after a lot of hip injuries and dealing with, you know, certain setbacks physically where I wasn't able to play as much as I would have liked to my senior year, but I was able to try to come back and finish strong. And I, I was number 36 on the defensive line. And like I said, sometimes I would kind of play a hybrid role. If you see in the game, I might spread out with one of their receivers and match up. But we had linebackers, it's like the defensive team leader, Anton Cochran. Like, I mean, just tough hard nose, get it done. We had Kent Wessel, he put his helmet in there. We had Jason Lingard, he was just like tackling machine, hard hit, could read, you know, he could he could do it all. And um, we had those young cornerbacks. We had Kentrell Fields. We had Dante Robinson. Excuse me, Dante Roberts. We had, um, you know, we had... Um, we had some players, man. We definitely had. We definitely had a nice squad on the back end. We had Smalls, and also we had. Let me see. It was Kentrell. It was Dante, and it was the other cornerback. Was um, uh, it'll probably it'll probably come back to me, but. We had we had a, a nice um, we had a nice team and those were some good good days good football so I will be leaving the link you can see me in action if you didn't know I play football as well if you, if you as well as talking about it I did play it and uh, you can check out the game I will leave a link for the YouTube link that I got from um, my former teammate 
And uh, Keith Kelly was the other cornerback. And he was also super sophomore, uh, specimen physically. And, you know, he went on to play college ball as well at Clemson. So that's the person I was referring to. And um, shout out to all my teammates and um, hope everybody's, you know, living, living, their, living their life and enjoying life and being productive in society and, you know, making something happen and doing for your fam and showing love and staying positive, especially in times like now. But I just wanted to share that with y'all because this is something I found and it was just like you kind of go back to that time and think, you know, what were you thinking during the game and what, what kind of body language are you showing? How much effort are you showing play in and play out? And the competition is at a high level and this is the state championship. So you're playing against the best team that they could find for you in your division. And Hartsville, Red Foxes, they was nice and they was more – of explosive, explosive team, passing the ball. They had a few run, run plays. They had some nice running backs, but uh, they had a, they were led by a, a black um, dual threat quarterback, similar to ours. But like I said, they were more of a passing attack. And then on defense, they have future Hall of Famer, uh, future Hall of Famer. Was it? He was a he was the defensive tackle. For the Washington Res Washington Redskins back then, or um, Washington Commanders now, but uh, we actually had on their on the opposing team. We played against a future NFL Hall of Famer, and I just give me one second. I will I will look this up um, because you will hear his name throughout the whole game. <laughs> And they will, they will be calling it for the uh, Swamp Swampville, for the Swampville Red Foxes, but uh, this this player, he he was he was famous in the NFL because he was famous in the NFL because. I think there was something to do with the contract and he didn't want to, he didn't want to play for the money they had already gave him or something. It was something going on, but this guy's name was Albert Hainsworth and he went to Tennessee and he was drafted in 2002. So, um, he had, you know, he had some, some, a little bit of scandal going on around him as he got into the NFL and there was something that went on with one of his contracts. So he didn't want to play a certain position for a certain team. And, uh, it def definitely, um, you know, it was like he he had a he had a stain on his name type stuff. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, that Hartsville Red Foxes team, man, them boys, it was tough. And um, I ain't gonna lie, the person, the people I had to go up against on the uh, on their offensive line, them dudes was tough, and they was stronger than me, and they was stocky, and um, I didn't always get the best push. And sometimes they got the better push than me. And when I tried to get to the quarterback, a lot of times I was either late or he had already went to another spot. So that was our first time really playing like a like a real, you know, dual threat, quick speed, acceleration. This dude, this dude could do it all. And uh, his name was Willie. What's his name? Jim Willie. No, Jim. <laughs> 
It was the I I can't remember what his name was, but uh, just give me a second. I I would do some quick research because this was um this was one of the you know it was one of the best uh, high school high school it was one of the best high school championship games and the game even ended by one point and it's like in the whole first half of the game our high school the Walterboro Bulldogs we dominated and it, we, we were shutting them out and then when it came time for the second half our offense couldn't get any, anything going and that's when their offense heated up and they was they were getting at us with the pass with the passing and uh the scrambling of their quarterback so um you know it was it was quite a game and I I definitely enjoyed watching it on YouTube so I'm going to share this with y'all and um let y'all let y'all let y'all you know view this and everything like that but before I get too much into you know before I get too much into you know that that game let's get back to the NFL but that's just something that I wanted to share with y'all because you know this was this was like a great it was a great championship game and I think y'all would enjoy to watch it as well so um yep now in NFL news top NFL offseason news what is going on with the NFL running back market as Dalvin Cook released by the Minnesota Vikings Knowing Dalvin Cook is basically the heartbeat of the team, the the engine in the engine in the car, the motor. Don't get me wrong, Kirk Cousins has a, ne- a very nice connection with the young superstar Jefferson, who's become one of the best, if not arguably in the top five or, or higher, of NFL receivers right now. But Having a top-tier running back always opens it up for your passing game, and the defense always has to consider a running back breaking a big game, so they have to either step step up coming to the box or blitz a little bit, and that will give the the cornerback, you know, cornerback will have to be able to defend that, that nice receiver you have. But recently in the NFL, the 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 value of the running back has definitely been devalued and they're not really getting that quarterback love as they once upon a time did when there was running backs like you know Marshall Falk or Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith, Walter Payton, running backs who could do it all, carry a team and got the, the love, respect they they deserve financially. And also, you know, vocally and in the media from fans and everything. So, to know that, to know that these running backs aren't getting that love, and these running backs, these running backs were once, you know, held in high esteem and high regard. Now, these running backs, it seems, they don't want to give these running backs the money that they deserve for the the punishment that their body is taking, and 
they get these young running backs on early contracts, and then when the running backs get older, they say, "Oh well, you know, you too, you're, you know, you're not as fast as you used to be. You got too many miles on you. You got too many attempts, too many carries. You know, you almost, you almost thirty. You're on the wrong side of thirty, and they just try to lowball them. So we've seen in recent years some running backs get that bag and get that love. You know, Derrick Henry." And Ezekiel Elliott, and for 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 a short while, Todd Gurley was getting a lot of love as well. But when these running backs get these injuries, and these owners and personnel people already know, well, he's just one play away, and we gave him this, you know, we gave him that money, and we're gonna lose out because he's not even gonna be here to fulfill that contract. So they're very hesitant to give these running backs the money they deserve. And now we see the Vikings cutting Dalvin Cook with everything he brings to the game. He's going to be a great free agency pickup for a smart team. And most likely, he's going to control his destinies, decide where he wants to go. But he may be looking for a huge <clears throat> payday or as much as he can get. And he may say, well, instead of just going after the money, I want to go after a championship. Well, I want to help put something together. And he may decide to go a certain route. Personally, if these teams that need him will really compensate him or be able to reach an agreement based on certain contract stipulations and milestones and you know how they do it, incentivize the contract, these teams could do some great things because I see him personally going to a team like the Bears where they have a lot of cap room and they also have a nice, talented, dual-threat quarterback and then you bring in a, a very top-notch in his prime running back and you also have already brought in some nice weapons at receiver. Now you have a formidable offense. Also with the New England Patriots, potentially, if they were to acquire... Dalvin Cook that would upgrade their running backs and also take less pressure off of Mac Jones or Zappy. But you never know how these teams view these players because there's nothing for these guys to get on the phone and talk to another coach and say, oh, well, he's like this or he's this and that. Or, you know, they probably have a lot of backroom conversations about certain players, maybe not him. But they're probably coaches and personnel people who are privy to certain information and things he likes, things he doesn't like, and ways that they can keep, you know, keep him involved, keep him motivated if he's not as motivated as they might want him to be. But it was a surprising cut and it just made it look like they don't want to give him what he's worth. So he has to find someone else to give him what he's worth according to how much they can spend on that position and also how much he's willing to take either a pay cut or a shorter contract with less years so he can, you know, have a, maybe a one-year deal somewhere, see how it goes, or one year with an option to come back, something similar to that. But Dalvin Cook could be a great addition for any offense as long as they know how to use him and can commit to the run at least for, you know, more than two or two or three drives in a football game. 
And then we have DeAndre Hopkins also entering free agency with Dalvin Cook. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has been a little more active in his free agency, already visiting Tennessee Titans and also New England Patriots, taking the picture with Patriot players, saying family. So we'll see how familiar they are when training camp begins. But he did say he want to take some time to think about it. So maybe that's just his way of saying I'm not coming to the I'm not coming to any non-mandatory training camp or not coming to, you know, maybe I need some me time. I'm a veteran. I'll have to be here. You know, show me that luck. Give me that love, Belichick. You know, if you could, if you can sign Cam, I guess I could work with you if we can work with each other. So maybe these teams are trying to fill him out. Maybe he's trying to fill the teams out or maybe he's trying to keep the bidding war going. Like, well, they said they'd give me this. They said they'd do this with incentives. You know, what can y'all do for me? And Hopkins, you know, he probably definitely wants to win too. But he wants to find a place where, you know, he can contribute. But they can also give him that financial blessing he's he's expecting. And we'll see where Hopkins ends up. But if Hopkins and if Hopkins and uh, Cook ended up on the same team, that would just be like, wow, this is a super boost for this offense. But what team could pull something like that off? Or what team would be willing to do it? Or would it just be taking on too much percentage of the salary cap on players or or positions that you've already invested in and you're comfortable in your investment from a personnel standpoint, not just trying to get a big name player because this is late in the game and a lot of players aside from super seasoned veterans who people still want to sign are already on a team that they want that they're going to be on for the season but you know it's still a few lingering super senior <laughs> super <laughs> experienced veterans out there for free agency but for the most part everybody is where they're going to be but it's other running backs complaining about not getting love and making it known, taking a stance. And those quarterbacks are Barkley, Austin Eckler, and we'll see who's next. But we'll also see where these free agents end up. And quarterback most improved, just looking at some of the additions that have been made, we can already see... The Eagles are still going to make progress and improve on what they're doing. We can see that I think the Bears are going to do something. I think I think some of these teams may lose some pieces that they may underestimate, but we'll see. We'll see if some of these running backs end up holding out. We also know that the Vegas Raiders running back was also not pleased with the franchise player tag and has yet to sign it. So it's been some things going on and these players are making it known that they're not filling the franchise tags in the one-year rentals. And we'll see what happens with those players. And free agency matchmaker. Where should Ezekiel Elliott end up? What do y'all think? Will he end up going back to the Cowboys? 
Who's to say? But Ezekiel Elliott may have a good two or three years left in him, but just not in the role he may have been used to, but maybe more of a power back or short yardage or, you know, little change of pace type running back where you, he doesn't have to carry the whole load and you may have somebody who's a little more quicker or agile and he may be more of, you know, power or, you know, burst of what he still has left. But some running backs can change their body type as they, you know, get older and it may make him a little more aerodynamic. So we'll see. <laughs> and where should... Jadavian Clowney signed this year. It's, you know, probably, he has probably t a few teams who are already interested in his services, but he doesn't have to rush to come back as long as he knows how to rush the quarterback and teams still want to pay him to do it. So he's been picking and choosing for the last, you know, three or four stops of where he wanted to play at. So we'll see how it goes with Jadavian Clowney. And as I mentioned before, where will Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins end up? We'll see. And some of the new best new old duos for the 2023 NFL season. Cornerback Gilmore teaming up with Diggs. So Stephon Gilmore will be teaming up with Trayvon Diggs. And this is going to be a nice DB backfield, a nice DB duo because both of these guys are very nice at what they do and both of these guys can get it done at cornerback they have a great combination of youthful exuberance and also speed and savvy and you know i'm sure gilmore may help you know digs unlock more of his potential and learn more about the game and things he can read things that he sees going on during the game and his vision and the way that he can dissect plays and routes and what a receiver is trying to do. And maybe Diggs has some things that he can tell Gilmore, show Gilmore like, well, you know, sometimes I do it like this, or, you know, this is how I always know when I'm going to get an interception. So this is going to be a nice combination of, you know, youthful athleticism, you know, bravado, confidence, and experience, savvy, seasoned, you know, knowledgeable. It's probably, you know, so much film study, seen it all, covered it all, intercepted it all. So look out for them Cowboys and that defensive back end. I know every year they say look out for the Cowboys, but this is serious <laughs> this time. And then we got Brandon Cooks teaming up with Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb. Now, that's going to be a nice duo of receivers. You don't have to just rely on one. You can spread the wealth, spread the rock around. You know, like they say, everybody going to eat. Everybody going to be happy. So, and this is going to open up the running game as well. Once they get the, get the ball floating around the different receivers and they breaking off big yards. So, that's a nice duo of receivers. Then we got Sean Payton. And Russell and Sierra Hustle Wilson. <laughs> and this is going to be how will they exist? Will we see them getting to, will we see Sean Payton talking that shit to Russell Wilson? Will Russell, you know, be able to take the, you know, 
the tongue lashing if he does not do it up to Sean Payton's standards and likenesses of what he expects from what he's, you know, taught and instilled into Russell so far. You know, will the off the field extracurricular, you know, parties and appearances and will that affect or dictate Russell's success? Will Russell be able to redeem himself this year from a very subpar year where things just did not go right? Was it some coaching? Was it some sidetrack? Was it him losing his edge? Was he need Pete Carroll? Will Pete Carroll please pick up the phone and come to the Broncos? No, we got Sean Payton to do his thing like he did it with, you know, Drew Brees, the 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 five eleven phenom, and we'll see how everything pans out. But I definitely think there should be some improvement with Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense this year. So we'll see. And then we got Lamar Jackson and Monken. And Monken will be opening up the offense to, so to speak, making the Ravens a little more explosive, potentially, with passes and attempts downfield and trying different things. So we will see how it all goes down with this new look Ravens offense. The Ravens team has never really been known for being highly explosive. We know what they've been for the last few years, and that's that's a that's a good offense. But I think now they want to kick it up another notch as far as maybe taking more chances, taking more shots downfield, or just having more of a pass-based offense as opposed to zone read, zone option, and handoffs and power and passes to the tight end. So we'll see. It should be interesting and maybe a lot more explosive than what we've seen previous years from the Baltimore Ravens, more of a defensive minded team and then Eric B enemy coming to the Redskins commanders oh and B enemy for whatever reason keeps getting overlooked for the potential to be an NFL head coach maybe it's something he did in his past maybe it's a lot of owners don't have confidence or faith in him to really take charge of a franchise offense and defense and team and be that one sole leader who's to say but Maybe it's just the color of his skin. Maybe it's, you never know. So, with enemy becoming the commander's offensive coordinator, will he bring a lot of that Andy Reid, explosive, pass-happy, route-happy, without, without Mahomes, though? So, that's not going to... They may have the playbook, but you still need the players. But maybe... We don't know Bianca may be creating some, you know, can't be Mahomes because there's only one Mahomes, but, you know, kind of just showing them the final points of the game about timing routes and, you know, getting the ball out and how we can accomplish chunk plays and run plays that will make our offense a lot more explosive than it's ever been, so. Maybe Bianami can put some of those young QBs under his wing and get them to play similar to Mahomes. But we're definitely going to see something different from that Washington Commanders offense this year because 
think he has a lot of good ideas and maybe he didn't get as much credit as he actually deserved as the Chiefs offensive coordinator because they always wanted to make it about Andy Reid calls the plays, but every play that he's calling, I'm sure Eric Bieniemy knows the play and knows how it's supposed to go. So now he's really going to get a chance to show his knowledge of the game or his idea of offensive football. And that's what an offensive coordinator does. Like, it's going to be down a distance. It's going to be different defenses you have to face off against and you have to know what's the best way to attack this defense. Who do we need to look out for? We shouldn't pass to his way. Um, we shouldn't run his side. And this is the things you have to know as an offensive coordinator, how to attack the opposing defense. It's like chess. It's not checkers. But we're going to see what kind of chess player Eric Bieniemy is with this new Redskins commander. So only thing is I think they should have got, if they could have, they should have probably got one of these young quarterbacks or somebody that maybe – Maybe they do have somebody that we don't know about, but I know they have a quarterback there, but maybe they could have tried to get somebody just a, a tad more seasoned or a tad more athletic or a tad more better. But we'll see what the commanders do with the guy they have. And other new old duos, the Ramsey and Dolphins D, Ramsey, premier cornerback, one of the top three, five right now. And has done it consistently for a while with a few others. And him coming to the Dolphins defense, they've already been sturdy, strong. And this just is like the Dolphins really shaping up to be a complete team. As long as everyone stays in position on the chessboard, Dolphins definitely can do damage. And that, of course, includes... Tua, hopefully he can stay healthy and we can really see his greatness or what he can become as a quarterback in the league. And also new allegations or new situations with Tyreek Hill as he has recently run afoul of the law and the way you treat people. And now someone who previously said they wasn't going to press charges against him said they will after he allegedly probably or potentially slapped or hit somebody in the head who was at a marina where he was going to charter a boat for him and his friends and his people and his in his party so as the story goes Tyree Kill and others <laughs> they boarded a boat and the guy was I guess trying to tell him like you can't come on here right now or you know you didn't have reservations or you did you got to make it you have to sign some paperwork maybe whatever he told him who knows but Hill's response was I can buy you I can buy this boat I'm number 10 with the Dolphins rah 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 slap you on the head so I don't know if the ship embarked on a three hour tour but the guy he did this to previously said he would not press charges. And I guess he may have told a few people what happened or word got out somehow. And then it became a thing of, oh, I want to press charges now. You got money? You talking that talking that shit? Okay, well, let me get some of that. So this person now will have to have Tyreek Hill be investigated by the Miami police, which now he will be charged with, I guess, assault, simple assault. 
and have to go through a whole legal procedure processes of, you know, court court fees, potential suing, potential, you know, they they there's you know, civil court, there's, you know, hush money, there's okay, I'll drop the charges again. <laughs> so this it's a slippery slope, but that's part of being on a team. The players want you to be there so y'all can compete together as a team and everybody can do what they're supposed to do and y'all get that win. And ownership wants you to be there because they gave you the spread. Now you messing the money up because if you was there, more people would have came. If you was there, they would have won the game. If you was there, the team would go further. More revenue, championship, merch, hot dogs, beers, pizzas, all that. Merch, concession, parking, tickets. So now you not fulfilling your end of the bargain, but we still like you, so we're not going to cut you right now, but it's guarantees in this, so we can't just cut ties unless you really do something stupid. So with this situation, we'll see how it plays out in the court, but we haven't really seen, you know, Obviously, it's probably something that happened just the way it was told. But what is the highest penalty that the commissioner can give outside of the law? And, you know, he is somebody who had previous issues, you know, with domestic violence and also to, you know, to a child of his, his, his son. So how would he be? How will he be gauged on the scale of justice in the real Miami court and also in court of public opinion and also in Goodell's court? So we'll see. But definitely not a good look for the wide receiver Tyreek Hill. And other off the field issues, there was Jack Jones, cornerback of the New England Patriots. And he was caught going through a terminal in airport in the airport with two Glocks. So he, I believe, is a second or third year player, and he enters the airport with a bag with his name on it, with guns in there, both loaded. So it was almost like, why would he do that, or would he do that intentionally? But how do you prove you didn't do it intentionally when you did it actually? And they always say possession is nine-tenths of the law. So there's that one-tenth of maybe he's trying to say, well, I have to carry this for protection. And I meant to leave it, you know, in my home or in my car. But I accidentally brought it onto the plane. But how could you lose sight of where you have weapons? And also, how could you not know you can't bring weapons into an airport? And that's something that you have you you have you have to know this, and you you don't can't just feel like they're not they're not going to search me because I play for the Patriots because I know somebody at the airport. I mean, I just this was a this was a crazy situation, and I I don't I don't know. It's just it's it's real weird to me because. You know, as the word gets out, then there becomes other stories about him that come out and they try to 
paint a picture of who he is or was. Now, there are mistakes and people can lose focus or lose sight of certain things. It's just how do you know when somebody is trying to skate the skirt the law or how do you know when somebody made an honest mistake? But in this, there's not a lot of wiggle room because the airport security is so tight and it is what it is to prevent, you know, any kind of interference or ruckus on an airplane, on an airliner. And you can't have people bringing weapons on it. So you already see people fighting in the air, in the airplane and stewardesses and, you know, people getting rowdy with the stewardess or the stewardess getting rowdy with them. So you don't even need no airplane on the gun unless you're a marshal. And as you trying to protect the airplane because it's already, you know, there's been hijackings and there's been airplanes who disappear. So you don't, you don't want to have anything that's risky or improprieties on an airplane. And, for him to do that, maybe he had a lack of focus. He wasn't as sharp as he could have been or should have been. Or maybe he actually thought or didn't know it was against the law and he couldn't do that. So, I don't know. It was something that was definitely surprising and definitely something I'm sure that he wished never happened. But when he went to his first trial, his first hearing, he already pleaded not guilty. So, if you plead and not guilty, you better hope you can get that not guilty because some of those sentences, some of those charges, minimum eighteen months, maximum three years, and they're gonna look at his record and they're gonna paint a picture of who he is based on how many times he's been arrested, what kind of trouble he's been in, and definitely the color of his skin, and definitely in that locale, locale, locality. But he was just starting to rise up in the cornerback rankings of the New England Patriots. And they did, of course, draft a, a first-round cornerback this year, probably something they hardly ever do, ever did. But, well, I mean, maybe Tyler. But other than that, he might have, he might not have been first round, but I'm not sure. But he was definitely a high-profile cornerback for the Patriots. But this... Jack Jones situation would definitely could definitely hinder his ascension in the cornerback rankings of the New England Patriots. And we'll see how things play out over over the summer and in court. As one of their first games is one of his, is one of their first preseason games is close to one of his first court dates. So we'll see what happens with Jack Jones. And those are the issues in the offseason. And looking at the rookie quarterback outlook, I mean, we got Bryce Young at the Panthers. And definitely been hearing a lot of good things about Bryce Young for the Panthers. People are saying how advanced he is, and he's doing master-level things of that offense. So that's definitely high praise for a rookie to get from his subordinates, teammates, comrades. And people are impressed by him, his coaches. It's, you know, people are impressed by what they see, how, how he's seeing the field. So he's he's definitely getting the, he's definitely getting the, you know, definitely getting the love so far from the coaches and the, the uh, teammates. So maybe that'll carry over in the, and excuse me, in the Panthers have found something, something special in him 
and he's going to be able to do some great things for them. So we'll see what happens with Bryce Young. And then we have the Colts, Anthony Richardson, who I feel like is maybe similar to like a, can be similar to like a Cam Newton style quarterback with his, just his size and his physicality, his, you know, his presence, his physique, his, his height and his physicality and his athleticism. Maybe not the most polished passer, but the Colts knew that when they got him. Not that he's a project, but it's just they probably they they definitely know they need to sharpen maybe his um throwing motion or his arm motion or you know the finer points of playing quarterback and and maybe they feel like he can only improve in every area with their uh, assistance and guidance and teaching him you know how he's going to be utilizing that offense and the best way to go through the mechanics of the position. And not just, you know, have to rely solely on your athletic ability, size, physical prowess, and strength, and uh, speed. So, we'll see what happens with him. But I think a lot of these young quarterbacks that they got this year, they're going to be seeing action early. C.J. Stroud is penciled in as the Texans' starting quarterback, the rookie from Ohio State. He did see his draft stock drop a little based on leak Wanderlick tests or whatever, but... Haven't really heard too much, but it is the Texans, so it's not going to be a team that you hear about on, you know, the daily football sports news. A lot of those teams who are dark horses or not fan favorites nationwide, sometimes you have to do your own homework and just see what's going on with the team or check out a depth chart or a roster or a wire where they have specifically those teams' news and updates. A lot of that information could be also used, you know, as you're starting to see which teams are ha- going to have more success this this year and why, based on their roster moves, the coaches in place, the players in place, and what you expect from them. But just looking at a team-by-team you know, a team-by-team team type of uh, viewpoint. For these 32 teams of the NFL, I mean, I would start with the AFC East. We had the Buffalo Bills, and there's been some ruckus and rackets. <laughs> there's been some fr- uh, friction and fracas for the Buffalo Bills, and we definitely know that they have Josh Allen. He'll do great things. He'll be there to make it happen for the quarterback position in the Buffalo Bills. And then we have, you know, Stephon Diggs, who's been supposedly beefing with Josh Allen. Who knows what that's really about, but maybe he just wants to be more involved in the roster movement and the play calling. (laughs) And some players are like that. And, you know, they have a strong defense. They're bringing Vaughn Miller back. And um, make a hide on the back end, cornerbacks, Tredavious White and Elam. And, you know, that defensive tackles, Oliver and Russo. So it's going to be a tough team, the Buffalo Bills. And uh, who's to say how much progress they're going to make? Because, you know, who's to say 
how much they'll improve because you don't want to see the early separation of the team with Diggs and with Diggs and uh, Allen. But have they already peaked? Is what some of the people are saying. But we'll see. And with the Dolphins, you know, you got Tua, and hopefully he can stay healthy. We have Hill, and hopefully he can stay active. If you're rooting for that team, or if he if he's going to be punished by the league for his outbursts and striking somebody. Waddle, that's a nice dynamic duo. The speedster running back, Mostert. So this is just, you know, nice, potent offense. I think last year they at some point those two receivers were both leading the, leading the league or up there with the top receiving touchdowns, lists, and yards. So you know it's just... He can, he can pick and choose who he wants to go to. And that's just the, the options that he has. And on this back end now with Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey, it's like teams have to pick their poison. And there may not be a lot of open windows when you come to pass that ball. And there may be some ball hawking DBs out there who never drop an interception. So Dolphins definitely look tough going into the 2023 season. The New England Patriots with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi, they'll definitely have to duke it out for Belichick's affection. <laughs> and we've already seen that Belichick isn't shy about benching Mac Jones and maybe they had some friction along the way with tough love from the coach or tough coaching or just uh, verbal, you know, verbal assaults and verbal tongue lashings of him not you know, being maybe where Belichick wanted him to be. And then there's the flip side of, well, look what you gave me. You gave me a, a special teams coordinator and a defensive coordinator and told them they run the offense. And then you got mad at me when I sought outside help from somebody who ran the offense. So Jones and Belichick definitely bumped their heads a few times and, uh, you know, didn't always see eye to eye. And I think they would definitely be a good team to add either Dalvin Cook or Hopkins if they couldn't add both of them. If they add both, they may want to have more incentive-laced contracts, but then those having two players, skill players, and incentive-laced contracts like that, it may be like something of counterproductive to those guys to want to play together because you're going to take away from my receptions or my yarders receiving and you're going to take away from my rushing yards and touchdowns. So uh, who's to say if they could coexist, but I think they will be an upgrade to the position. And they still have Juju Smith-Schuster with some injuries. And, you know, we'll see. And defensively-wise, we know the Patriots are going to be solid. And they already have in their young rookie cornerback, Christian Gonzalez. And we've heard recent news is saying that Patriots were glad they got Gonzalez where they got him at. And then with the New York Jets, we have the new and improved offense with Aaron's psychedelic Rogers. And you can see his aura of hippiness every time he takes the field as he's the new cool dude in school. They're coming over to the Jets with that tight running back game of Brees Hall. And those nice receivers, Garrett Wilson, Lazard, bringing in his old buddy, Randall Cobb. 
seasoned veteran. And Nicole Hardman, the former chief receiver with the speed, playing opposite Tyreek Hill in a lot of positions, slot and everything. So just definitely look very formidable on paper, and we know what that defense is about. Shutting you down, shutting you out. This is just a team that if they if they're not able to make something happen this year, it's just maybe it's just not meant to be this year. But they definitely have the pieces on paper. I mean, you can see the Jets maybe in the Super Bowl against the Cowboys or the Jets against I don't know. They have that kind of potential, in my opinion. The Jets against the Bears and the Cowboys. The Jets against the Bears in the Super Bowl. Or the Chiefs against the Bears or the Jets. Or the, no, the Chiefs against the Bears or the Chiefs against the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. Something like that. Because these teams just look so potent on paper. And then you have the Philadelphia Eagles who have been there last year. And the Philadelphia Eagles can be in the Super Bowl against the Dolphins or the Jets. So, I mean, then you have the Bengals. So, there are just so many emerging, talented teams. I think this year, it really shows the parity of how these teams have been put together and the type of level of personnel moves and putting people in position to you don't have a weak, a weak spot at these, so, at these very key positions on a football field. And they all, it all comes together because all of these guys are elite and they're all confident and they're all rooting for each other. And that's what you want on your team. And you have the Baltimore Ravens now, the new offensive offensive system coming in place, new players for Lamar Jackson to play with. Rashad Bateman, Beckham at receiver, Zay Flowers, Duvernay, Nelson Aguilar from the Raiders and also the Patriots. So just a lot of talented weaponry at receiver. For the first time, I believe, to have that many options for Lamar Jackson. And he still has Mark Andrews, who's like his security blanket. So, the Ravens definitely should uh, be one of the more potent offenses. And we'll just see how things transpire over the course of you know, the season. But they definitely should be in a running in that long seat, in the long playoff stretch of, you know, Playoff, you know, seeding when it comes down to December and, you know, early November of who's going to be in what slot or, you know, the Patriots will be there. In my, I mean, the Ravens will be there, in my opinion. And then the Cincinnati Bengals with, you know, Kevin McAllister, I mean, Joe Burrow <laughs> doing his thing. And, I mean, just, you know, Jamar Chase, the weapons, Higgins, Boyd, and depth behind them. Solid, strong defense, and they just look good, man. They're, just, they're one of those top teams in the AFC. You have to respect them. They're going to be able to go toe-to-toe with you, score to score, and play some defense behind that. So Bengals looking tough. You had the Browns led by quarterback Deshaun Watson in his second campaign since his extended off-field vacation. And then we have... How will he progress with this offense? Nick Chubb at tailback, even though they let the other running back go, Hunt. But maybe Hunt will land in a better place. And Amari Cooper at receiver. This Cleveland Brown 
offense, will it show consistency this season? Will will Deshaun Watson return the form of you know before the allegations and before the scandal and when he was emerging as a top three or five quarterback in the league? We'll see. And how will this Cleveland Browns defense be now without Jadavian Clowney and maybe a few other pieces? We'll see. And with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I believe the question with the Steelers is going to start at the quarterback position. And who is Kenny Pickett? What is he about in the NFL? And how will he contribute to the Steelers' defense? We've been hearing some good things, and maybe he can back them up. Well, who was to say? Najee Harris, I believe he's a solid running back. And we know the Steelers have been known to have some nice receivers back in the day and currently. So offensively, I believe they will at least be solid because they have some nice, decent players. And I think there's something about Kenny Pickett maybe that the league hasn't seen yet and that the Steelers know and have confidence in him. So he's going to be the guy moving forward for the starting. And we'll see how it goes for him. But um, defensively, we know Steelers are going to be solid. T.J. Watt, Cameron Haywood. Now bringing in the veteran Patrick Peterson. Micah Fitzpatrick on the back end with those interceptions. And the rookie Joey Porter Jr. Playing for the same team his father played for. That's what you call amazing, folks. That is something else. To come into the league and play in the same team that your father played on as a rookie, and they draft you. That's amazing. So 6'2", 198-pound cornerback from Penn State. So, yeah, the Steelers are definitely always known for their defense, but the question is how would the offense perform and what they're going to be like. So then we have the AFC South, Houston Texans, and this team definitely probably in rebuild mode. And did they take advantage of those key draft picks and pieces they had throughout the draft with so much acquisitions that they had? How will C.J. Stroud perform in his first campaign? And will their defense be able to slow down some people with acquisitions who are coming into play there? So we'll see what happens with the Texans, but hard to say. And then the Indianapolis Colts, Gardner Minshew is the starter, but Anthony Richardson is the second string, and probably they are chomping at the bit to let him do his thing and release him. And with this receiving call, we have Pittman Jr. leading the leading the team at receiver. And the Colts was previously known for having a more top-flight or top-notch defense. It may have fell off slightly over the last year or two, but I think some players are in place for them to keep it going on the defensive side. It's just a matter of what the offense will be like. But it's just my opinion. And with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence definitely one of those quarterbacks on the rise. Nice supporting cast with Eddie and his old college teammate at Clemson and Christian Kirk. Nice hands. Really coming back from the suspension. Number zero, Agent Zero, Zay Jones. So nice receiving call for these Jaguars, one of the more slept-on teams in the league, and definitely have a solid, stout defense. So look out for the Jaguars. They're going to they gonna surprise some people. And Tennessee Titans, one of the suitors who were interested in the 
DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. And I'll be right back with part two. Peace. So, yeah, I had to cut it off real quick before I ran out of time. But part two, Tennessee Titans. And we're going to start back where I just left off at from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the last team in the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans. And Tennessee Titans, one of the teams that have been interested or entertaining the idea of bringing in uh, DeAndre Hopkins to add to that receiving core. They still have the Ryan Tannehill and Malik Williams at quarterback. Derrick Henry, King Henry the Great, one of the best running backs that we've seen in a minute. Maybe they definitely need upgrade to that receiving core, but is that where Hopkins wants to be? Or maybe, you know, he had other ideas playing off with the New England Patriots and trying to take on that, that Randy Moss role <laughs> coming in there, doing his thing. So I don't know how successful the Titans will be, but with the coaching of Rabel, definitely will have a stout, strong defense, talented players on that side. But maybe we have to get the offense going where players don't just, teams don't just key on Derrick Henry. And it's not that easy to, to you know, decipher what they're trying to do. Or Randy, or Ryan Tannehill stepping his game up or being more consistent. So, or just having more weaponry. So, we'll see what the Tennessee Titans can do in the free agent game and also in the football game this season. And in the AFC West, we got the Denver Broncos, who I spoke of earlier. How will Russell Wilson react to the coaching of Peyton? Will Peyton unlock and that, you know, release that potential and that, that, uh, flair and that firepower and that talent of Russell Wilson where he put him in the best position to win for his size and his stature and his attributes and abilities we'll see and that nice receiving core Drewy Sutton and tough strong defense as well for the Broncos so we'll see what the Broncos can do this year another AFC East excuse me AFC West we have the Kansas City Chiefs, the basically the tops in the league as far as offensive firepower, potency, and consistency. We've seen it for maybe the last four or five years. Every year, it's just they have the players in place, they have the playbook, they have the coaching, they have the execution, and they make it happen. And they have the quarterback, and Mahomes is the perfect chess piece for the what they're trying to accomplish and the coaching the coaching of Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and the playbook and the plays and the design and the scheme and the the strategy of it and these guys always have a potent offense they have the they know the type of player they want they know the type of plays they want to run and they make it happen so got to definitely hats off to the Kansas City Chiefs because this is a team that shows we're going to do it our way we know what we need, and this is what we're going to do. So you got Pat Mahomes, top one of the top, if not the top quarterback in the league. Valdez Scantling at, at receiver and Kadarius Toney. And it was rumored, and also Sky Moore, it was rumored this was one of the teams that may be inter interested in or maybe DeAndre was interested in them by putting that out there, but they don't really have a lot of cap space. But also, he 
may take a team home team discount if he knows he can help the team win a Super Bowl. But we we don't know if he was really on Andy Reid's radar with some of these young players he has, like <clears throat> Sky Moore or Isaiah Pacheco. So haven't really heard a lot about Chiefs and Hopkins. But the other side of the ball is usually different for the Chiefs where it's the Chiefs offense is more explosive and potent and one of the top in the league. Their defense is usually not, but they have been better over previous years. So it's hard. It's probably, you know, they, they definitely may play a lot more than other defenses because their offense scores so much. So that, that probably is also a wear and tear on the defense for fatigue wise and conditioning. So Chiefs should definitely be there come playoff time. If they don't have a successful season, that's when you know it's parity in the league because this is one of the top, if not the top, offensive and teams in the league. And then they definitely would say, well, maybe Eric Bieniemy brought more than we knew. And then you have the Las Vegas Raiders and, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo coming over there. Maybe he has to have foot injury or foot surgery or we don't, who knows. And then Josh Jacobs, who they don't want to reward for his play and what he brought to the table for the Raiders organization when before the coach really was not trying to emphasize him as running back where he was the one of the more consistent performers on the team, if not the best, and he even led the league in rushing. And you reward him by putting him on a franchise tag. So that just shows you the ignorance of the treatment of these running backs when these guys can basically carry a team literally and figuratively and you want to rent these guys out one year at a time hoping they don't take a shot in the leg and get injured and, oh, woe is me, I paid this guy because he deserved it and now he got hurt and he's not making no money for me. That just seems just very selfish and one-sided when these players bring so much to the game and you don't want to reward them. And if the guy wasn't talented, you know, it's just like, oh, he's just another running back. And if he is talented, oh, he's just another running back. <laughs> so you just can't win with some of these teams and some of the way that they view these running backs. So Devontae Adams, one of the top receivers in the league, if not the top. Kobe Myers, the former Patriot way. Hunter Renfro, nice hands and quickness and agility. And they, they also traded away their star tight end who was, you know, Wall, Waller. So, you know, maybe the coach is has such a big ego, he don't know how to talk to the guys or get these players to believe in him and follow behind him to success. But who's to say? And a tough defense led by Max Crosby, Chandler Jones. So, you know, they, they made a few a – few, uh, acquisitions here and there but definitely will want to lock down Josh Jacobs for longevity and uh, you know make sure you have a, a quarterback who is solid and not injured at you know like he didn't know that before you signed him so who knows what's going on or maybe Tom Brady has other ideas <laughs> as the new part minority silent owner who only speaks when he says <laughs> And then we have the Los Angeles Chargers. 
led by Herbert. And Herbert, Eckler, like I said before, Eckler felt he's definitely underpaid, undervalued. Receiving core, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Johnston, so definitely some nice depth there. And on that defensive side of the ball, the card, excuse me, the Chargers defense is becoming a lot more, you know, they're becoming a lot more solid and a lot more respected in the NFL with young players like Asante Samuel Jr., J.C. Jackson, Derwin James, Bosa. I mean, these guys are tough, man. So, Chargers definitely can can be there, but will they have the consistency and can they outlast some of these other top-tier AFC teams such as the Chiefs and the Ravens and also the Dolphins? Because these teams in the AFC are tough, man. And in the NFC, <clears throat> the NFC East. And last, you know, over a few years ago was the NFC least. But now these NFC teams, East teams are on the rise. And I mean, Dallas Cowboys making those great acquisitions I spoke of before. You bring in a Brandon Cooks to, to you know, team up with Gallup, Lamb. And whoever, who who knows what other, you know, diamond in the rough they may find on that receiving depth chart. But you already had a, have a solid front line of, of, of triplets at receiver. And also Tony Pollard emerging as the lead back, tailback, scat back. And bringing in somebody like Ronald Jones to take on that physicality and grind it out style. Pollard, who basically supplanted Ezekiel Elliott with his speed and quickness and bursts. Hopefully, you know, he can continue that. And, you know, Dak has had his ups and downs, and maybe Dak didn't have enough, you know, depth at receiver and enough help. And people got too predictable of how to defend Ezekiel Elliott. So, you know, they definitely have a solid O-line, and the defense is just crazy. So what's going to be, once again, this is going to be another year of the year of the Cowboys. <laughs> like every other year. They're going to be hyped up, but this is time they actually deserve it. I mean, defense, Demarcus Lawrence, Edge, Mika Parsons. It's just, you know, they're going to come get that quarterback. And then we have on the back end I spoke of earlier, Stephon Gilmore and Trayvon Diggs. Like, you're not going to pass in them guys because <laughs> there's going to be some pick sixes going on. You may get one or two, but you're going to definitely earn them. It's going to be some good route running, or you're going to have a nice play-action fake, or you're going to have a nice route concept because these guys are tough, and they're two of the top in the league. So Cowboys secondary is going to be serious, as well as that defensive push, defensive line and blitz. So, man, they're going to have some things going on in that, that defense. And so and the offense. So Cowboys look tough. And New York Giants, Saquon Barkley experiencing the same running back treatment, not getting the love and the bag. So he's supposedly gonna be, you know, on a tag if he tags it, if he signs it. And Daniel Jones got that love and is it really deserving? And with the receiving game, you know, Hodgins, Slayton. So they have some solid receivers. Defense may need some may need some extra extra love, extra players, extra depth. So 
Giants, you know, they, they, they may have an up-and-down season, but we never know till it's time to lace them up. Philadelphia Eagles, last year's run-up for the Super Bowl, so close. Bringing in some depth at, at, at quarterback behind Jalen Hurst, Marcus Mariota, formerly of the Titans and Falcons and Raiders. And also DeAndre Swift, formerly of the Lions, the scat back Swift, speed, quickness, agility, burst. Rashad Penny, the power, the speed, game well, you know, the third down back. It's just like the, the Eagles are just added to the repertoire, the arsenal. And A.J. Brown, the lead, lead receiver, Devontae Smith, speed receiver. I mean, the Eagles are going to be there. With this this type of talent, as long as they consistently do what they do, and if people can stay healthy, they're going to definitely be there. Tighten up that defensive line, bringing in the young rookies from Georgia, and yeah, man, the Eagles are going to be tough again this year. So they will be having something to say about that NFC East. Then we have the Washington Commanders bringing in. Eric Bieniemy to lead the offense, and Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett, and that's that's what I was speaking of earlier with the Commanders. Maybe Brissett, because of his experience, maybe he can run Eric Bieniemy's offense better. But maybe Sam Howell is is more. Maybe he's, I don't know. Maybe he has what they're looking for, his timing of the game, or his releases, or his vision, because. With those two supposedly having a quarterback, you know, battle or competition, it seemed to me the older veteran may get the nod, but maybe they see something in Sam Howell. So that's that's a little bit of a question mark. But maybe Howell is that good. But how will I know? <laughs> and then we have Brian Robinson Jr. running back. He's very he's tough. He's tough. And Terry McLaurin, Chris Curtis Samuel. I mean. The talent is definitely there, but will the quarterback be able to get the ball to the receivers and stay upright? And how will the defense be now with Chase Young returning, but the team not picking up his option, so they probably be willing to let him go, but they have so much other money invested in these top-tier defensive linemen. And also bringing in some depth at cornerback through the draft. So the Washington Commanders are definitely going to be a, a sound defensive team. The question mark is going to be the offense. And how is Eric Bieniemy going to translate the offense with these quarterbacks he has? Definitely has the receivers there to make something happen. But will he have the offensive quarterback play? It's my concern but we'll see when they cornerback they brought in is Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State so we'll see how the Washington Commanders are for the 2023 season and in the NFC North we have the Bears and with the NFC North Bears we have second year quarterback doing his thing Justin Fields and you know he definitely showed some versatility and some confidence, getting some, getting more comfortable in the game and having some more time to digest the game, what's going on, showing that dual threat ability and having some running back help as well with 
Dante Foreman, Khalil Herbert, and bringing in that star receiver, DJ Moore, just what he needed, a reliable target when sometimes maybe he didn't have it or didn't feel comfortable with some of the other guys that maybe didn't have no time to get a bond or chemistry together. So we'll see how Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, and Aquinas St. Brown can help the Bears do something offensively they haven't done or really been known for, and that's be an explosive team offensively with the passing game. And we know the Bears' defense will try to bounce back after losing some very key players last year, like Roquan Smith. And it just didn't, you know, didn't look good for them, but that may be their rebuilding spot. But that offense definitely looks like it's going to be able to compete. And then we have the Detroit Lions, led by quarterback Goff. And Goff and that receiver, Amin Ross St. Brown, doing nice things. They brought in a rookie running back to also do some things. And it's going to be Jameer Gibbs, 5'11", 200 pounds out of Alabama. And, of course, there have been some question marks and criticism of him being the draft the draft pick for the Lions, but maybe they knew what they needed. And you still have um, you still have Armin Ross St. Browns. And, you know, Jameson Williams got suspended for the gambling policy. And then we have Marvin Jones Jr., one of the most craftiest, talented receivers we've seen in a while. Definitely up there with top 10, top 20 in the league. And... Solid, solid Lions defense as well. So, Lions will be respectable, and I think they're on the ascension. Not to mention somebody that I want to see getting that Lions uh, rotation at quarterback or that Lions, you know, lineup. 6'4", 218-pound Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. Uh, this cat was a dual quarterback, but he didn't really scramble a lot. He was more of a air it out guy. And, I mean, he has a great arm. He has the accuracy. He has some nice receivers at Tennessee. And these guys used to light it up. And until he had his injury, he was easily one of the top Heisman candidates and somebody everybody was looking out for. So. I want to see what he can do in the league. And he did suffer, like I said, an injury. So it's going to be a while before he gets back in the game. But look out for Hendon Hooker with the Detroit Lions. And that's not saying that golf can't get it done either. But we'll see at some point. You know, they didn't draft him for nothing. But it might be good for him to have time behind golf, with not necessarily with the injury, but just time to learn the finer points of the game break down film and you know get accustomed to the lifestyle so when he is called upon it's like second nature so look out for Hendon Hooker with the Detroit Lions and in the Green Bay Packers look out for Jordan Love because the Aaron Rodgers era has ended in the title town city in the frozen tundra and Jordan Love will be taking over with that running back Aaron Jones, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed. Not really the 
you know, star-studded receivers of Devontae Adams or, you know, Antonio Freeman. <laughs> but these guys are NFL players, and Christian Watson is, is a respectable receiver. The other guys probably just haven't really made a name for themselves. Jordan, well, Romeo Dobbs I have heard of, you know, heard him making some plays. But some of these other guys may be less, you know, high-profile receivers. But we'll see how the Packers bounce back after the Aaron Rodgers breakup for the 2023 season, led by Jordan Love and that Green Bay O.D. of offense and defense. Other NFC North plays, we have the Minnesota Vikings, who have relinquished the rights (laughs) to Dalvin Cook, and that still is a head-scratcher for me, but they do have to eventually pay Justin Jefferson the superstar receiver. And they also have big bucks invested in Kirk Cousins. So in some ways I can fathom it. And not to mention that defensive, you know, a lot of players to pay. So, you know, I still don't like the move, but <laughs> they had to do what they had to do, I guess. But I still can see him contributing very well to wherever he goes. Now, how will his absence affect the Minnesota Vikings offense? We'll see, but it could potentially put more pressure on Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson if the running game can be established and players are allowed to linger and double team and, you know, whatnot. So we'll see, but that's why they play the game because you never know how it's going to turn out. In the NFC South, we got the Atlanta Falcons. And they have a somewhat of a, you know, two lot of NFL fans. Mystery at quarterback. We'll see how Desmond Ritter does as he was able to, I guess, gain favor over the coaching staff last year where they decided they could let Marcus Mariota go. And they bring in rookie running back Bijan Robinson of Texas. Six foot two twenty. So we see how the Atlanta Falcons offense is, and also on defense, Calais Campbell, the veteran defensive lineman, and we know we'll we'll see how this Falcons team is, but they may still be missing a few more pieces before they can really get it all together. And with the Carolina Panthers. We already know the Panthers usually have a sturdy stop defense with players like, you know, Shaq Thompson, J.C. Horn, uh, Henry Anderson, Shy Tuttle. I mean, Panthers usually have a strong defense, but offensively, what can we expect from the rookie Bryce Young and also the newcomer Miles Sanders? And how will... Miles Sanders mesh with the Panthers offense. Also, Chubba Hubbard, power back, you know, Blackshear, a good, you know, combo, power speed, but power speed guy. Panthers had a nice running game last year. And also, they bring in Adam Thielen, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings. Sure, he can teach some of these young receivers a few things and maybe even. Maybe to even teach Bryce Young a few things. And they have depth at quarterback with Andy Dalton. But 
I think this team only goes as far as the the. I think it only goes as far as the defense because I think they may not always have high scoring games, so the defense will have to try to limit the amount of points the other team scores. So we'll see. And then when it comes to the New Orleans Saints, now bringing in new quarterback Derek Carr over from the Oakland Raiders, I mean the Vegas Raiders, and you know, for whatever reason. It, would, it didn't work out, but maybe the coach knew he could get Jimmy Garoppolo and felt more comfortable with him, even though he has a injured foot, allegedly. So with Derek Carr coming over to the New Orleans Saints, teaming up Alvin Kamara, James Winston for a depth, a backup quarterback, Michael Thomas returning. And the the Saints are one of those teams, kind of like the Steelers. They always have some nice receivers in the cut. There might be a guy you never heard of, but... Nice receivers. Solid, strong defense. Cameron Jordan, Mario Davis, Tyran Matthew, Lattimore. I mean, Saints are going to be pretty solid this year, and I think they can definitely make the playoffs and make some noise. Tampa Bay Buccaneers now entering the post-Brady life, post-Brady era with Baker Mayfield coming over from the Rams. The cockiness, the attitude, the arrogance, the chip on his shoulder. How will he combine with those nice receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Garwin? We'll see. And uh, also with this Tampa Bay defense, they still have some nice players, but they did lose lose some players here and there, of course. But uh, they're still Vita Vea. They're still Shaq Barrett, you know. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. So they still got some players, but definitely not the Tampa Bay Bucks of old. And in the NFC West, we have the Arizona Cardinals. Now with Kyler Murray injured, we'll see a lot more Colt McCoy maybe to start the season. And running back James Conner, solid. And receiver Marquise Brown Hollywood, we have to see more, maybe more from him this season, uh, more out of him, and uh, Rondell Moore. But the defense will probably be the high, high highlight of the team for, for this team because I don't really think people expect a lot out of that Cardinal offense. Maybe when Kyler Murray returns, but we'll see. That's just my personal opinion. And also, how will the Cardinal defense maintain consistency after not having the best the best year last year. So we'll see, but they still have some some nice pieces and players here and there. But you just you may, you just may not have overall high caliber quality players at each position or each level for the Cardinals. So that might make it rough or longer for the season. And then we have the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams, who definitely, you know, made it to the made it and uh and won that Super Bowl. But it's ever since then, things just have not really been the same for them. And now, you know, having certain players depart, such as a uh, Jalen Ramsey, but they still of course have Aaron Donald, so they'll still get that push and have that control and on the on that D line. And uh, to dominate those offensive lines. But we 
don't, you know, we don't always know what to expect from the LA Rams, and they they never really had a consistent running attack. They seem like they always want to force the ball down the field. So, how will Matthew Stafford perform this year? And uh, you know, will Cooper Cup be able to? you know, contain his, maintain his level of, of uh, consistency and performance and Van Jefferson as well. And, you know, last year they didn't have the most consistent receiving core and that may have been an Achilles heel for them. But I don't know. I don't know if the Rams can, can make those kind of runs and as far as, you know, late in the season, playoff pushes and wins as, as previous years, because I think this team may have lost, they may have lost uh, too many too many key players that they underestimated or they may don't have the replacement players that they need but uh we'll see and uh San Fran 49ers and this team to me they did a great job scouting and you know finding what they needed and what they what they found was Brock Purdy and this just shows the um I guess the irony of having to give up draft picks and, you know, wheel and deal to get Trey Lance. And he's so athletic and doesn't have the experience playing of somebody like a Brock Purdy, who, you know, he probably stayed all four years of college or five and, you know, probably started a high percentage of those games and made a lot of muscle memory throws and it shows and this is like a diamond in the rough because he came in he executed he had the release he had the confidence and he was making it happen and he was really outperforming a lot of other players who were been starters and that was his first year and he just had so much authority and decision making it was so it was so impressive to me as a fan because I know a lot of quarterbacks don't process the game that fast and make those kind of decisions with accuracy and confidence. So this is this is just I mean to me it was just like I, I'm impressed of what Brock Purdy is able to do and um you know that offense is there is Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk and just a, a talented roster. Uh, tight end George Kittle, so and a uh, great coaching as well by Shanahan. So that's going to be a, a very impressive um, offense, and the defense is just as solid as, as you know as the majority of the top defenses in the league. So it's it's very very um very likely the 49ers will definitely be there down the stretch as well. And finally, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, much success last year with Geno Smith, talented running back in Kenneth Walker III, and nice receivers in Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, bringing in a nice receiver rookie, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, uh, I mean, definitely saw Geno Smith make a lot of strides in uh, previous NFL seasons and definitely come out of his shell and make it happen and show he's that capable and that talented and a solid defense um a solid a solid defense that just you know they've been consistent and they've been improving bring back Bobby Wagner and you know 
team is the team is definitely solid and i think that this seattle seahawks roster can definitely do some things so they're like one of the dark horse teams i believe like they may be underrated to a lot of people but um you know Pete carroll can make it happen with that team so they may surprise some people but we'll see how it all pans out and plays out in the nfl for the 2023 season and i want to thank you for checking me out don't forget to like comment subscribe share this replay it listen to it if you want to send a cash app it's dollar sign r-o-b-7 b-o-d-i-s-o-n appreciate your time be safe be blessed and check me out on the next